Welcome to another edition of Talk Your Exposure. This is season two, episode 11. Unfortunately, my co-host cannot be here again today due to work complications. However, we got to keep moving on. We got to keep going. Today, I'm alongside a former Division One basketball player, pro basketball player, and a big, big, big-time scholar, Melvin Edgem. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. Good. I appreciate you guys having me, man, and looking uh, forward to Hey, we tried to get you on last week, but, uh, you know, so clearly some rats and some animals were eating up on the Wi-Fi, so we had to reschedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to ask you from the jump, are you watching anything new these days? Are you into movies and stuff? Uh, say that again? Are you into movies? If so, like, what are you watching these days? Uh, yeah, I'm into movies. Um, but uh, recently, it's been tough, obviously, with all the movie theaters and stuff out and with uh, uh, kind of being overseas, the release dates and sometimes the stuff when you get stuff is just a little bit different. But I mean, I just recently watched Coming to America too. I watched the new Tom and Jerry movie with my kids and uh, real big into all the action Marvel movies. I think the new DC movie just came out, so I'll probably check that out. Um, but I watch a little bit of everything and uh, a little bit, you know, just some of the movies that I'm watching. That's what's up. That's what's up. Any any new songs or anything that you've uh, been been introduced to? New songs. New songs. Um. Yeah, I've been, they've been putting me on this like you know Balkan region music, like you know <laughs> Serbian, Montenegro, all this music over here. So I've heard a bunch of new songs over here, which has been interesting. Um, I don't know what they're saying, but they got nice flows. And just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Drake has just dropped a couple of new stuff, so that's been popping everywhere. And uh, you know, I keep it pretty simple. Um, and uh, but I, you know, I've heard a little bit of that stuff. What what's what's your go to uh, pregame song? My go to pregame song. I don't know. It depends on the mood, right? So if I'm trying to get high. Trying to get high. I'm definitely playing some Drake or some Lil Wayne, but let me see. I don't know. Probably Energy. I'll probably play Energy. Um, and then if I'm, you know, if I'm trying to be chill, mellow, I got a lot of different other stuff. You know, when you're too hyped, you need to just play something that kind of yeah. just calms you down. So you can yeah. be focused. Some some other stuff, some next stuff. Uh, uh, but I like a lot of instrumental. A lot. Of, I like a lot of like uh, uh like uh just different music and I used to play I used to play the trumpet and stuff I like listening to trumpet solos and piano stuff oh when I obviously when I'm trying to like tone down but when I'm trying to get hyped uh, I probably listen to a lot of great um Lil Wayne uh Tori there's a bunch of little stuff fair enough fair enough fair enough obviously COVID has been taking a lot of a lot of things away from us this year what are some things that you're looking forward to when COVID gets controlled or over um looking forward to uh, honestly, I can't even see that far. Honestly, I'm like just listening, like literally, like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just been kind of just keeping my head down and working and trying to, you know, get through this whole season. But just kind of like spending time with family, being able to just uh, travel a lot, you know, like not having to uh, be like isolated for so long. Like Texas, I wanted to go back to Toronto. I'd have to go quarantine for three days, possibly quarantine for another two weeks because of family members and stuff like that. And by the time I get to See them um, might be, you know, the trip might be done, right? So just kind of having that uh, that that change of that incubation time and just being able to spend more time with friends and family and stuff. Um, but like right off the bat, there's nothing that really pops into my mind. Um, 
That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Spending more time with people. That's fair. That's fair. A little, a little basketball question for you. Who are some of your uh, basketball and non-basketball role models growing up, and what was some good advice that they gave you? Um, man, so non-basketball role models, um, obviously my mom, uh, she just kind of just, uh, just showed me everything, right? Obviously she brought me to this world, but she kind of literally, uh, showed me how to be a man, how to grow up, you know, my family responsibilities, how to, uh, you know, behave. And, uh, so she is someone I definitely look to for a lot of inspiration and, and is one of my idols on the, on the court. Uh, my uncle David. Um, he was, uh, like I said, he, he went to uh, Lincoln Alexander um, in Malton, and he was just a hooper, man. He just really got after it. He loved to play. He loved to challenge us. He, he kind of just inspired me and my brothers and my family to kind of follow the basketball situation and, and really work hard. And, man, he would do – we were doing crazy stuff. We'd be waking up early you know, just to go to the, to the YMCA. We, we were, you know, going to different YMCAs. I'm using my one-year-old brother's uh, – uh, uh, help hard to get into the YMCA for free at this next class. <laughs> He's doing all types of crazy stuff just to get into the gym. Right. And uh, it was it was a fun time. He, he's one of those guys who really, like, kind of put out all the thoughts to be able to help me uh, develop in my basketball, uh, in my basketball world. Um, but I have a lot of other people, too, right? Like, you know, uh, Coach Mike, Coach Derek, guys who were kind of, like, father figures to me as I was growing up and, and uh, you know, guys as I was going through the basketball situation from an early age. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people I, could, I owe my success to, and there's a lot of people that I looked up to or emulated when I was going through my whole going through life. So, um, but those are just a couple that come up um, right away. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, what about the game of basketball? Did you fall in love with? What about honestly? I love competing. Um, like I love competing, and I really love like uh, the behind the scenes, those hours where you can just put into work on your game, right? Like because the Sometimes in the games, you don't really get to show everything you've been working Sometimes you might have to, you know, run with the coaches, what is telling you to play or, or do things a certain way in order to get the win, right? But when you can have the freedom to do what you want or to work on the things that you feel like you need to work on and improve, and then you get to go and go to the gym and, and, and compete and see who's been working and who's not been working, those are the things I love. I love the competing factor. Um, obviously, you get that in games too, but just I love that competing factor and I love that time on in the gym by yourself and you get to reflect on yourself and see, you know, you challenge yourself, you know, you push yourself and, and those are some of the, some of the, the things that I love about the game too. But then, you know, I also love getting buckets and scoring and stopping the guy <laughs> and just like, crowd interaction and everything. So, um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to love about the game. Fair enough, fair enough. And honestly, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the, com the competition and the competing and stuff like that, because, um, you know, even right now during COVID, you can kind of see like the kids and people that are getting better and taking it really serious, trying to improve every day with whatever it might be, whether they're in the gym, not in the gym. And then when people finally get back, you know, being in shape and stuff like that. So I'm glad you touched up on that as well, because I feel like, you know, we're literally going through that right now with, with the pandemic. Um, yeah. but, but I want to take it way back right now, way back for you right now. I want to bring it all the way back to Brewster High School. Uh, or prep school. Um, your final year there, you won a national championship with a final record of 34 and four. What was that feeling like knowing you just won a national championship on the biggest prep stage of, of, of in the uh, well, biggest, biggest prep stage? Man, it was crazy. Um, like, we, we, I had had some good teams before. I was also last year, the year before then, I was, I, we had some really good players and we had a really good team, but we didn't win, right? And it, it just kind of showed how competitive that those, the leagues were in the prep the prep school scene was at the time, and still is actually. 
Um, but when we finally got there, it, it was amazing, man. Like the hard work, we really, we had a really good group, a really competitive group, guys who played um, uh, different schools, but really just worked. And it's a testament to our coach, Coach Smith, Jason Smith. I think if you look them up right now, they, they've had, I don't even know how many uh, championships we've had in the last 10 years. We've had so many NBA products and pro products come out of that school. And it's, I think literally the best prep school uh, team in the country, if not, you know, if not one of the top five, at least. Um, but uh, an unbelievable school here in the middle of nowhere, but in a beautiful, you know, beautiful place. Uh, so it was really cool. And then to have my boys, Ashton Khan and Maurice walk with me there while I was, you know, guys that I grew up with that I played Team Ontario with, that I played CIA Balance with, that I played yeah. against when they were the Blue Devils. But it was just, it was just really dope to have that experience with those guys and the new friendships that I made with guys while I was there. So, it was a beautiful thing, unbelievable experience. And I kind of, it was just kind of like, those are my first real taste of winning and what it took to win and what it looked like and what hard work looked like. And, yeah. and, and I think those things kind of helped carry over to many different avenues in my life, especially in basketball. But that was a beautiful time and a great time. And we had a lot of fun that year. So I, I'm, I'm glad you touched up on, on Mo Walker because Mo Walker, to me, when I seen him play, bro, he, like, he's a year old. He's, he's your age. He's a year older than me. Um, to be honest with you, like when I when I first saw him, I honestly thought NBA from like because he in grade seven or eight he was like six six. He, Yo, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like, I don't feel like he's grown since I mean, he grew three or four inches since then. But from grade eight to grade eleven, he was the same size. And you know to see that guy, what he was doing at shooting the ball mid range, post drop step dunking, like like he was one of those coordinated big men at young at a young age. Do you think that he got kind of the shitty end of the stick to not be able to go play NBA basketball? Or did he not work? Or what, what was your what was your intake on him not making that uh, that far? I mean, I, I think like the more the older that I get, and the more and more I see uh, the world and different players, teams and stuff like, I don't think people really understand how hard it is to make it to the NBA, or even how lucky you have to be for certain situations to fall in place enough for you to get a really good shot to go there. Right. Uh, in most conditions, Mo is a great player. He's still a really good player. Um, but I don't know if he necessarily had the, the right opportunity to reach. So, you know, I, I think in a couple – late in his season in college, he got hurt. Um, he played really well in, in Minnesota. He had a really good career. Um, I think some of those things kind of hindered him coming out, you know, draft process, different stuff. And then once you kind of get into the realm where you're playing professionally and you have to start to kind of – you have other responsibilities and different stuff, it, it gets harder and harder uh, to go back or to make it to the NBA. And that kind of window – kind of, you know, shifts, right? You have, like, yeah. a ideal window between, uh, you know, 21 to, I would say, like, not even 21, I was 18 to, like, 22, 23, where you're at your prime peak of, like, high uh, interest and, and opportunity to kind of break into that window. And then everything else after that, it's not impossible, but there's tons of guys who've done it right. in different ways, different avenues. But it comes extremely more difficult. And I think if you miss that window for whatever reason, maybe you didn't speak at the right time, maybe you didn't perform at the right time, maybe you didn't have the right opportunities or, you know, your skill set wasn't to be at that time. And that window really gets closed. And then you have to find a, create a new window. And that becomes really difficult. So I don't know, you know, what, you know, I can't say anything, you know, that per se that might have hindered him from going to the NBA, but I know that Mo's a great player. That's my guy. He, he still gets buckets. He still, you know, no one can stop his right hook. And he's got right. baby. He's got touch. And uh, he's a hell of a player. But I was talking to someone else the other day. Like, there's great players all over the world that are not. 
position players uh, everywhere. So uh, it's more of a testament to the guys who make it, and it's even more of a testament to the guys who are able to do it at a high level consistently um, um, because it's not easy to get there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so. I agree. I agree. I want to transition to your university career. Uh, but before we get there, though, who else was in the, before we announce who, where you went, who was in the running for you? Uh, it's not, I don't even really remember because it's like, the ones that really, uh, I had a lot of interest from a lot of schools, but you know, when you get in the, in the, in the recruiting game, everyone wants interest, but yeah. no one really wants to pull the trigger. Sometimes you get like kind of offers, but not really offers, whatever. I had a bunch of offers from all the Ivy League schools. Um, uh, I had some really good grades, um, and I would always consider going there just because of the academic component. Um, so, uh, you know, and then I also had, I think when it, when I really was thinking, okay, who do I, you know, where am I really going to go? It came down to Butler, NC State, <clears throat> Iowa State, um, and, um, BC maybe, um, that, that might have been it. And I had a couple other teams like Wake Forest and, uh, I think, I'm not sure Tennessee, but a couple other teams that are kind of on the fence, had interest, whatever, whatever, but I was kind of so committed to Iowa State at that point. I really wasn't looking at else besides um, Iowa State, but really it came down to, for me, I think when I really was making my decision with Iowa State or Harvard, because I knew um, I really wanted to go the academic route and I wanted to be, you know, it's, it's like, it's hard to pass up on Harvard. Like, of course, it's like, the, it's, you know, you go there and literally, you know, Anything after you do, you have a you're, you're set for life. You're set for life. You're set for life. Yeah, but um, but I knew that I wanted to pursue basketball, and that was kind of my and not that in a way that Harvard doesn't produce basketball players because in the last couple of years they've produced great, you know, great opportunities for academics and basketball. Right. But it's 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 very different atmosphere at Harvard in terms of uh, I think collegiate athletes, or at least what I think. Uh, you know, I haven't experienced it, but you know, we've had guys like Chris Eggie, Danilo, who were there. Um, you know, Canadian guys, and then obviously Jeremy Lin is one probably the you know most famous guy who's played basketball there, yeah. and uh, and went to the. We have another guy, uh, Laurent Rivard from Montreal. No, I think he's from Quebec. Um, uh, from Quebec City, or anyway, he's from Quebec. Another guy who went there that I knew that I played played uh, you know a national team and stuff with that went to Harvard and uh, had a great academic career and, and still played really well basketball. So mm -hmm. it, it came down to that. I chose Iowa State. I had a beautiful relationship with some guys there. And kind of, obviously, looking back, it was a, a, the best decision I made because I had an amazing career and I had a lot mm -hmm. of fun success. Um, but when it came down to it, I think it was those uh, those couple schools um, uh, that really had the most interest. We're, we're definitely going to get back to your academics in a little bit in terms of what you were able to achieve while, you know, at Iowa State. But I want to ask you, though, while you were there, you know, you played with a lot of guys that had the same aspirations, such as Naz Long, Matt Thomas, um, Deontay Garrett, Chris Babe. Chris Babe? I, I don't know if I said his name correctly. Bab, Bab. Chris Babe. Uh, Royce Wright, you know, just to name a few. What were practices like uh, either playing with them or against them, and how did they help you become a better basketball player? Say the, say the last part of that, that question. The question is about uh, the last part. Yeah, so uh, what, what were practices like either playing with them a during practice or playing against them during practice, and how do they help you become a better basketball player? Oh man, you named a lot of really good players, but there were there were even more really good players like this, this guy, this Scott Christofferson, uh, Will Clyburn, um, Anthony Booker, Corlucius, Chris Allen, there's so many guys. But honestly, the atmosphere when it came to competition, uh, while I was at Iowa State, was very, very high, and it started 
I feel like from my first year, um, when we had guys, we weren't very good, but we had guys like John T. Garrett, Jermaine Anderson, um, who were our leaders, who were kind of tough, tough, get after it, like to hoop, like to play, like let's get in the gym type of guys. Um, right. And Deontay, who ended up playing uh, Utah Jazz, and made the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I mean, I think it was Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. I think he also played for, sorry to cut you off, but I think he also played for the Raptors as well for like a 10-day contract or something. See, he might have. He might have. I think he um, did. Yeah. So he he was someone who had some aspirations and, and knew kind of what he needed to do to work hard to get there. So he kind of was like the first person that I seen like, wow, like this guy's trying to get to the league. This is what he's trying to do. You know what I mean? I see. You know what I mean? But the next year we had uh, Royce White redshirted. He's an absolute monster beast. Uh, like, you know, and then we had a, a really great team, Scotty Christopherson. Guy, I've never seen anyone work harder than this guy. Uh, one of the best guys I know, but go to a party, have a great time, come back, jump next morning at 8 o'clock, he's in the gym shooting before anyone gets there. And, and that's the type of respect that, uh, and the work effort that he had daily. As well, he was a really, you know, he had a good time and he enjoyed it. <laughs> but, um, but he really worked hard. So anyways, uh, I've saying all these to say that a lot of these guys and even the next year, we had such great teams that practices and pickup games were like main events. Like the games are cool because we, it was an opportunity for us to showcase all the things we've been doing and how we've been practicing. But right. the practices were, were, were competitive. They were legit. Like you can't sleep. You got on your scout, really good players. You have guys pressuring that are ready to come in that are trying to eat. And on the, on the starting team and on the practice team, you have guys that are trying to play and compete. And I think Fred really created a great atmosphere and a competitive atmosphere where it was like, and not just Fred, we had another coach, TJ Altenberger, who's now the coach at, at uh, Iowa State. Um, and then we had another guy, Cornell Mann, who was in charge of defense, who kind of just always was trying to rep guys up and get guys to, 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 to like really get involved. And it was a great atmosphere. And we just had really good players. Matt Long, George Niang, Mike Morris, DeAndre King. Like, we just had really, really good players each and every year. So it kind of, we just had a, a competitive group all the time. And um, I think, you know, where they say iron sharpens iron, right? So we just had a lot of really good players that who like to compete. And we got after the lot and it kind of created that. So, yeah, I think that that four years in those those situations definitely helped me. Because um, I don't think I was the greatest player, but I think I have one of the highest uh, like drive and competition. Like once I start playing, like I'm playing. Like there's no, there's no in between. There's no having fun. It's like <laughs> you know, we're trying to get to it. And I think that's kind of one of the things that helps separate me and that kind of helps push my drive because I like to compete and I like to work. Um, and that was definitely something that I had from a young age that I I think some people help nurture and then really from that those four year program. Yeah, that four that four year uh, I would say. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, and that's a great answer too. Because you know, we 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 had we had Dwayne Notice on the show. You know, we had Dwayne Notice on the show a while ago, uh, a couple months ago actually, and he we we brought up Matt Thomas because he played with him on the on on the D League team for the nine hundred five. I want to know. He said that he Matt Thomas was probably one of the best shooters he ever seen in his entire life. Do you feel the same way too, or do you think do you do you think that he's second, third? Where where where's Matt Thomas at in Melvin Edgem's rankings of three point shooters? Uh, hey Matt, hey Matt is one of the shooters I know. Um, and he's also one of the hardest working guys that I know, right? Uh, but I've seen a lot of really good shooters. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to knock that because he's an amazing shooter. But I've had a couple guys, uh, you know, Tyrus McGee, another guy who went to Iowa State. He led the country in shooting percentages and shots made. 
um, in, I want to say, 2013 or 2012. Um, unbelievable shooter as well. And then I had a guy that I played with recently, Jamar Smith, uh, who's out here wrecking guys. And put a, a high prolific score. He went to Illinois and ended up going D2. He had an amazing story, too. Went to Illinois, went to D2. Now he's playing overseas and has a beautiful family and really doing well. Successful played at some of the best teams, Euroleague, league, everywhere. Um, um, and, and Matt is up there. So those for, those guys for me are my top three shooters. I think they're easy, all interchangeable. And 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 then we have Scotty Christopherson, a guy who really lighted up. Um, but um, it's by far one of the guys that I've seen work the hardest from day one that I've seen him freshman year. Like every day he's getting extra shots. Every day he's going game speed. Every day he's doing all the things that he needed to and more uh, to get it. And, and it was really, it was really, uh, I was really happy to see him succeed because he really put a lot, a lot of work in him. You know, if you know anything about Matt, he has a, a crazy story as well. Um, but he really, really put the time in, really put the drive in. And when we played it, I actually, and he was, he was, he was cooking. Like he was really shooting well. I think it's, before they signed him, he really had two years overseas where he was really proving to people that this is what I do, um, and I'm more than just a scorer. I'm more than just a shooter. I can score in different ways, but you know, if you leave me open, it's done. You know, so he, he's a good guy, great shooter too, and uh, definitely on that, definitely on that top list. Fair enough, fair enough. I love to hear it. Uh, obviously, when when you first went to Iowa State, you know you uh, you're, you touched up in it a little bit ago, but uh, Coach Fred Hoiberg was your coach. What were what was your relationship like with with Coach Fred, and also what was he able to teach you, you know, to get to the next level and to get to the NBA level? Uh, I think my relationship with Fred was really good. Um, he knew that I came in and, and I worked hard and I um, wanted to develop and grow. Um, but he also he also had to win, right? And and I was a very competitive person, just different stuff. But I think he really took the time, um, and I think it might help me grow as a player um, because he 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 was a player, and we played kind of like similar positions. You know, he was a really good rebounder. He was a good shooter. He played the kind of the wing, but he had he was more guard oriented, and I was more kind of post oriented. And he was trying to kind of navigate me through and try to give me the opportunity. And I feel like. He was really forward-thinking in the way he operated uh, our team and having kind of a spread four-out, sometimes five-out, which kind of didn't really mean you have to be a four or a five. If you could put the ball down, if you could dribble, if you can shoot, you'd be successful in any position. So I think uh, he really showed me a lot of stuff about spacing, about understanding about the game, reading the game. But a lot of coaches that I would say in college don't necessarily – you don't really see a lot. Or you see now a lot more, but at the time we didn't see a lot. Um, so. Uh, we have a great relationship. We talk all the time. Um, you know, he's uh, he's someone that like, he dealt with a lot of the situations and the people and and kind of like coaching is not easy. And, and the more I play, you have to manage players. You have to manage characteristics. You have to manage people's characteristics. You don't know. You know, you you have a short amount of time to understand people and then get them to play at a high level while dealing with parents and boosters and organizations schools and, and it's a difficult job and I think the way that he kind of navigated that with such class um and respect I think I appreciate about him and uh he always you know always always was, was willing to help and, and get that time you know whenever you have a coach that's like gonna say like yo come on let's go shoot I'll rebound for you and stays with you and kind of kind of guides you through step by step like maybe you should try this different and you know you have a different respect and appreciation for them um, as opposed to the guy who says I'll go work with the assistant coach and you know get your work done so um, I, I always value that when I uh, work with, you know, different coaches and stuff. And I think that those 
those are true testaments to the people trying to help people improve and really are, are have vested instances. Uh, but Fred is a great guy. I love him. His family, you know, love the family. They're doing really well. Um, I owe him a lot, man. I owe him a lot. Um, and he was a big key uh, to my success. So. And we're about to get to that right now in terms of, you know, while you're at Iowa State, because I know I can't say Iowa anymore. You, you told me about that last time. But while you're at Iowa State, you know, you you were the uh, you, first season, your first season, you got 214 rebounds to rank third in the school school history of the freshman. Your sophomore season, you earned Big 12 honorable mention accolades ever named Big 12 all academic first team. Your junior year, you earned all Big 12 third team. You were honored as the in in inaugural Big 12 scholar, and you led the Big 12 in rebounding. Your senior year, you were named Big 12 Player of the Year and nominated for the Oscar Robertson Trophy, and also added yourself to the 1,000 Rebound Club and 1,500 Point Club. What did all of those mean to you? Because, you know, like I said, this, you, you, you were able to play Division One basketball, which is every kid's dream. But to be able to do it at a high level and to achieve so much, not even just on basketball level, but on as a student level as well, with all that adversity or, or all that stuff happening as well, traveling, you know, uh, study hall, possible girls, possible parties, possible all that stuff that, that could take away from your scholar, from your uh, academics, you were still able to achieve. So what did all that mean to you? Man, all of those were, were honestly, and I think we, we touched upon this last time, all of those were really just, for me, byproducts of doing the right thing and, and, and the right thing and I want to do it right. You know, I didn't like, I'm a fishing type of guy. I don't want to waste time doing things and if I'm going to spend my time on it, I want to do it right. And all of these sure. achievements for me were like justification and affirmation that, man, you're doing the right thing and people are noticing, right? Because, you know, the... Everyone talks about, you know, doing stuff behind, you know, doing stuff in, in, the, in the shadows and working out and, and doing your stuff and, and those accolades come. But when they, when you're working out and they don't come or you're working out and no one knows, it, it kind of can deter you. Some people stop, some people quit, some people don't want to do it. But for me, I knew that by doing the right thing and, and being consistent with it, those things were going to come. I never looked for them, but I was happy when they did come because it was kind of like, man, keep going. You're doing it right. You're doing the right thing. And, and like you said, for me, when I hear all of those things, I hear like every year I got better. Like every year, um, um, I took an instrumental uh, growth, uh, incremental growth in, in my career and my development as a player, and it culminated in something that was really incredible and not too many people get get to achieve. But it was about daily and consistently and sticking with it and, and having the right approach to it and having a lot of the right people around me to put me in that position to succeed. So. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing four years of my life, amazing opportunity. But the crazy thing is, you know, every year, looking back at it, 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 it felt, it feels really great hearing about it. It feels like, man, I really accomplished some stuff. But when you're in it, I very, I, you know, I had a very different outlook. Um, like when I was my freshman year, I came in as a freshman. I'm like, man, Tristan, Tristan's going one undone. Corey's going one undone. These guys are nice. You know, I play with them. Maybe I could be, if I could really do some good stuff, if I could play my, you know, game, maybe I'll go. Then kind of freshman year hits, and it's like, man, you're good, but you're not as good as, as you think you are. You're, you're not even as good as, you know, you're definitely not as good as them, but maybe you can work. So then, you know, sophomore year, it's like, man, I really got to work. But my sophomore year was a really tough year because we had so many good players, and I kind of had to take a backseat in my role. I'm not in my role. I just felt like I was underappreciated as a player. I wasn't getting the opportunity to do things that could help the team. And, you know, at that time, you know, while I'm in it, I'm like, man, shoot. Is, is basketball really for me? Like, maybe I should really focus on the school stuff because, mm. you know, like, 
yeah, I'm good. I'm doing well. But like, you know, I still got to be a realistic, you know, be a realist at the same time. So I really, really dived into my academic opportunities at that point. And then I said, you know, I'm just going to keep doing the right thing. And I'm, you know, working, keep fighting, keep listening, keep trying to grow, keep trying to develop, you know, those, those times where I enjoy for myself, my own workouts, my one-on-one stuff, working on my own game. I'm going to do that stuff. And, and I did it in junior year. I had a, you know, had a kind of a breakout year and people kind of could see the more of the stuff that I could do. And then senior year was just a culmination of keep doing that thing. And it was like, you know, my school's going great. I'm doing okay in the basketball world. I have different opportunities. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and try to do it at a higher level. And then I did that. And I was actually it kind of reaffirmed me like, man, you did it. You had a great opportunity. You were smart. You, you were realistic with yourself. You pushed yourself. And now you have all these opportunities. Maybe you will get drafted. Maybe you won't. But maybe you'll go to Europe. But you have opportunities to do all these things. Yep. Maybe, you know, I had I had thought about even I had a couple of professors who tried to convince me to stop playing basketball and, and to go into the academic group. Um, and so I had all these avenues that I had really worked hard for um, that came simply just doing the right thing trying to, to be efficient in what I'm doing and, and, and working hard and, and you know, you know, and staying with it, being consistent. So I have a lot of people that I have to thank for that, but I was able to do that. So when I look at it, I'm really proud of, basically, it, it tells me, man, you stuck with it, you improved along the way, you did all the right things, and you got all the right achievements. And when you're talking to other people, um, you, can, you, can, you can prove to them or show them through your actions and through your work that, if you continue to, to to do the right thing, to, to work hard in the shadow, you're going to get some, you know, some some rays of light that come through, and yeah. those are going to be all you need to keep going. And then someday you're going to be in a, a great position and have really great options. So, uh, so yeah, I love to hear that. I love to hear that because we because even for me as a coach right now, I tell my kids all the time, you know, you got to make sure you, you you do you get your work done, get your work done, get your work done. Because if you can't get your work done, you're not there's no division one for you. There's definitely no division one for you. So. You know, just to, you know, make sure you always get your work done. So I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you were able to accomplish that at that high level. <laughs> but anyways, uh, very similar. I want to continue on to this. Very similar to your Brewster career, uh, your final season at Iowa State. You guys won the Big 12 tournament. Talk to us about that moment for you guys. And also, what was it like for you getting your name called for March Madness? Man, winning the tournament was crazy because we had a really good season. Um, and I think we started the season off like 14 and all. 15 and all, we were one of two or three teams in the country that were undefeated. Um, we were doing well in the Big 12, but we had like a, a game or two that kind of cost us potentially tying or being winners of the out of the Big 12 season outright. And then you know, wow. wanted obviously Kansas. They ended up winning it, but I think we were one or two games away. Um, and we had one point where we lost the game. It might have been to Oklahoma State or something. Or no, I think I think we won that game. It was a crazy game, actually. Nash had a crazy <laughs> shot to put it up. Um, but we lost some games in the middle of there that kind of made that not possible. So we had a had started a really great season, had a really good team, and then we were kind of like, dang, we, you know, we can't win this outright conference, right? Which is a blow, which is a, a bummer because that's one of your goals in the beginning of the season, and that's something that you want. But then the tournament came, and we we had kept, we, we we still were playing well, like you know, we we had. You know, beat everyone in the conference. We felt confident about ourselves. And when the tournament, um, you know, uh, we just were like, let's just keep going. Like, you know, let's let's just see how it goes. Why not us? I think that was our thing. Like, why not us? Right? Like, you know, we 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 uh, uh, we had been working harder than everything. We thought, you know, working harder than anyone. We've been working just as hard. We've been, you know, playing and playing really well. We have a great team. We've had crazy 
crazy shots, crazy experiences, like guys really committing and sacrificing. You know, I've had an amazing game, and, and guys, you know, we just really were bought in in a very competitive, tight, you know, like, uh, group uh, at the yeah. time. And so we went into it, and we just started hooping. Like, we just started hooping. We played. We beat Kansas in the second game. And I think once we beat Kansas, we were kind of like, now like, we can go get this. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. I think in the Big 12, you know, Kansas is that obviously because of their success, that kind of like, Pinnacle, you know, so when you feel like you can overcome them, you feel like you have an opportunity. So I, so, I, I know. So, 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 sorry to cut you off, but is that the year they had Andrew? Yeah, they had Andrew and they had Joel, but Joel didn't play the last game in the tournament because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I believe so. But we did play him earlier in the season. Um, and man, even in college, both of those guys, you know, you already knew the hype and, and the skill around with Wiggins. But Joel kind of, he was good, but I feel like he was a little bit less under their radar. And then I think when he started playing, they really seemed like, wow, this guy can hoop. And then obviously what he's doing now in the NBA is incredible and uh, a testament to him and his hard work as well. But so once we beat them, we were like, man, we can, we, we got to go get this. Like, you know, we got to get this. We have Baylor. <laughs> They're really good too. Uh, you know, and um, I want to say if my boy Brady was on. He might, he might have been, he might, did he graduate before? I think he, no, I think he was on that team. Okay. No, I'm not sure. We got to double check. We got to check. But, um, great, uh, we, we had Baylor and, uh, we just knew that, like, man, we, we just got to get this. It had been an amazing experience down there. They call it, sometimes when we there, they call it the Hilton South because the Kansas City is three <laughs> hours away. And literally, I would say one of the best friends, if not the best friends that I've ever had. Like they they packed the the the, uh, the Kansas City arena and it was an amazing amazing experience. So uh, we had we just had we felt like we felt like it was this was our chance, right? And, and right. once we we felt we were we were playing really well, we had the opportunity to do that. And we just kind of ran with it, and we had like so many guys who performed so well. DeAndre ended up being the uh, uh, MVP of the tournament in Memphis, and we just had really a lot of you know guys step up. Matt Thomas stepped up. This sophomore year, Naz stepped up in his sophomore year multiple times. You know, George mm-hmm. Yang you know, was proving how versatile of a player he was. Monte Morris in his freshman year was like leading the conference in assist, uh, assisted turnover ratio, not the conference, in the country, and like proving, you know, starting to show like how he can how he can play and how he can run a team as a freshman, which is kind of like, you know, not very, you know, not very heard of. So we had some really good pieces. And then we had Abdul Nader and, uh, uh, who else do we have? Other guys on our, on our, you know, registering, you know, sharpening, you know, competing with us, proving, you know, helping us get better mm-hmm. guys now that are in the NBA and playing, right? So, um, it was, it was a really good time. And then obviously selection Sunday was, it was amazing. I mean, at this point, we had already got, we had got called a couple of times. So I was, I was kind of used to the feeling. I was, I think <laughs> I was a little less, uh, because, uh, but this time it kind of meant, it felt different because the other two times, we got in because we were we were uh, I don't I can't remember the terminology for but well basically we got in as lower seeds because of you know we played well enough in the Big Twelve and and, and we got we we got the bid but when we won the Big Twelve tournament like we felt like that was like there was no question there was no maybe we're in maybe we're not it was like no nah, we we in this we won this like yep. you know we're gonna be this so it was like you yep. know what just see where are we gonna be it was it wasn't about whether we're gonna be in or not. It's like, tell us what city we're going to. 
Um, and that feeling was a little bit different and uh, a, a really exciting, really exciting time. But, you know, going to the tournament three times in a row, uh, I think the first two years, I mean, two out of the three years, we lost to the team that won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the last year we had, my junior year, we had Aaron Kraft at that crazy buzzer leader that they always oh, wanted wow. to know every time. Double A man. Against Ohio State. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, every every time I got to see, uh, playing with one of my boys now, Amadeo, <laughs> who's on that team, so I got to hear about that that BS all the time. Oh. Um, but yeah, so we lost to them, and then obviously the next two times we lost to Kentucky um, the first year, and then we lost to UConn the next year. So we lost to the teams that ended up winning it. But man, we had some really good teams, and I think that you know George didn't get hurt. Um, uh, we could have really, really, I think, done well. Uh, he would have been tons of problems for those guys. But yeah, you know, March Madness is a beautiful time, really, really, um, really fun time, exciting time for for programs, for people around the community, yep. for anyone who loves. It's just a really fun time, and it's a really time where anything can happen. I think we've already seen like there's literally been like six upsets already, yep. and, and I think that it's a testament to all of these teams going out and getting guys who work and who play the right way, who don't care about. Reputations or do, who don't have reputations, but they still are good players. And I think that the, the college basketball team is really getting like really even level playing field. Like the best teams are programs that you know people who are you know like aren't always the best teams. And even though they have the great players, they have guys out there who are who are just as good and who are just as hungry who are playing. And then when they meet, uh, who have something to prove, right? So uh, always fond memories when I when I think back about the NCAA tournament. Shout out all the teams right now that are <clears throat> sorry. Shout out all the teams right now that are playing March Madness. Is is, is Iowa State in it right now? No, man. We had a rough year this year. It was a tough year. I, you know, um, it's a tough year, man. Anytime, um, I think out of the last, you know, they, we won. We won since I've been there. I want to say three or four Big Twelve tournament championships. They've had a bunch of NCAA appearances, um, but this last year with all the things going on with COVID and I think, you know, with the team or different stuff, it just, it just didn't happen. And that's part of basketball, right? You, you win a mm-hmm. lot and sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes you lose and sometimes you have great, sometimes uh, you have teams that just kind of underperform and that's not necessarily um, a knock on players or coaches or, you know, you know, individuals, but sometimes it's just a situation and just a group as a whole. Uh, so unfortunately we had a tough year this year, um, but, Fair enough. 2014, you know, you're, you're eligible for, for the NBA draft. Unfortunately, you, were, you went undrafted, but you, you, were, you signed with the San Antonio Spurs for the summer, uh, the summer league. What, what, did that, what was that experience like for you? Um, that experience was, was really, really cool. Um, it was, first of all, it was very, uh, I would say, moment in my life because you, you, you go through this whole process looking for some type of uh, uh, acceptance or, or you're looking for a team that's going to choose you, right? And when you don't get chosen, that kind of sucks, right? When, when you're the guy at the end of the court, um, you know, 
you pick up and no one picks you, it's like, damn, like, dang, I mean, I thought, I thought I was good enough, right? <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have anything, you know, sometimes it just, it just is what it is, right? Um, and at the time, um, I, I didn't get chosen, but I didn't want to linger on that. I knew, and I had worked speed because of the possibility I might not get chosen. Uh, so it was just on to the next, right? Let's see if there's another way that I can get in. Let's see if there's another way I can do something. Let's see how I can be successful. So I went with the right. first. Uh, I was actually with the 76ers first for their, 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 uh, training camp. Uh, not training camp, but some of the issues for them part. And then I went to the first. And the first for me was a better situation. I actually had an opportunity to play. Um, I got to meet shoot, a ton of players, a ton of really good players. And, uh, it was really a really good experience because it was my first experience with the NBA. And it was like, okay, these are the guys here. These are the guys that play. These are the guys that are in my position. These are the guys that, this is how they work. This is how the team works. These are the things that they're looking for. This is what Greg Popper just, how he runs his team. So it's like, you know, these were uh, really, um, there were opportunities for me to just soak up information and to learn. And then I also had a, you know, opportunity to play. So, um, that was fun. That was, but the next summer, like you mentioned, when I got with Orlando, that was, that was a real opportunity for me to go in because I went in, in the last ones, I went in kind of like, man, I got to prove, I got to prove that I belong. I got to prove that I, I can, I could win. I got to prove that I could be an NBA player. But the next opportunity, I kind of went into the mindset of like, um, I didn't really care. You know what I mean? And, and, and I feel like when you are free in your mind mentally and you have an opportunity to, and you're not putting it, you're going to be in a better position to kind of take control of the situation. And I, I had already signed a deal in Europe. Um, and I kind of was just going there just to go and keep my name relevant and to play and say like, Hey, I, I can still hoop. Um, you know, you know, you know, I had talked to Orlando earlier it, during the, during the draft process. So I knew they knew about me. Um, but I kind of was like, you know, I don't really care. Like, yes, I would love to be in the NBA, but if not, I'm just going to go back to doing what I was doing play somewhere else and, and we'll see what happens. And luckily, uh, I kind of created, that was kind of a, a, a great situation for me uh, because I, I went in with less uh, pressure and less expectations and kind of surpassed their expectations of me. Um, and, you know, luckily, you know, something came of that now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, they, uh, I, I want to go back to San Antonio for one second. Uh, when you when you were with San Antonio, that was the year they won the championship. If I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Because Corey was around, um, you know, I got to talk to him a lot and got to kind of experience with him, and, and uh, it, it was it was fun. But yeah, I believe they won that year. That was the year Kawhi. Yeah, they were they're always talking about Kawhi and kind of man how impressive he was physically. Um, and I think he kind of set the standard for a lot of guys there. So if you didn't meet Kawhi's standards, not that, not that, you know, I didn't think they expected you to be Kawhi, but they, they were like, you know, nothing really impressed them anymore. So it was, it was funny. Did you, did you get a, an opportunity and a chance to talk to Greg Popovich at all? Um, I want to say he might've been in one meeting, um, or he, there's so much, there's so many people we, we you kind of go through. I, I, when I really think about it, I don't think he was in that meeting. I don't think I had an opportunity to talk to him, but I know I spoke to a majority of the assistant coaches there, uh, their front office personnel. I had a meeting with their entire front office, um, and uh, he may have he may have been there, but I mean, he's a man of few words, so uh, <laughs> I don't think he would have said much. But I, I know that I had a, I had a meeting with their entire front front office and a lot of their coaches. Um, so yeah. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, after after your summer league stint with uh, with uh, San Antonio, you, you you head over to Italy. Uh, what was it like for you ha to have to learn a whole another language and be in another country? I mean, obviously you've been in the United States already, but this is a whole another country with a whole another language. Yeah, it's definitely definitely different. Uh, I wish I learned Italian, but it's a lot harder than uh, <laughs> a lot. I, I think I picked up on some words. And I could kind of hold my own for a little bit. Uh, but I definitely did. Definitely didn't learn the language. Uh, but it was it was fun. Honestly, it was fun. It was such a different, beautiful experience. I had been to Italy two years earlier with my team. We had a, a trip to to Italy, um, and I was in Rome for a second. But to live in Rome is, is some completely different, right? And the, the culture and the history um, around the, the 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 whole country, but that city in particular, really beautiful and amazing. Um, the basketball uh, was different because, like, when you come in as a rookie there's always going to be a learning curve. There's always going to be a, a change. Um, and some people kind of grasp it early. Some people grasp it later. Or some people have to kind of wait a year before they get it. So for me, it was later. I kind of came in, obviously, physically and athletically, I fit in. But with some of the, the changes in the rule changes, the officiating changes, the way they kind of did things, I, it took me a little bit of time to, to get adjusted. And I feel like I played better than I did at the beginning of the season. But luckily, we, we were able to have a little bit of success. We, we, we were one game out of the playoffs. Uh, we made it to, I think, like the playoffs in, in Euro Cup. Um, but it was it was a very fun year for me. And the first year for a lot of guys overseas, I think, is a make or break year in terms of their projection and outlook of Europe. And for me, it put me in a positive trajectory for what I felt about Europe. And I was in a place that had really good culture, had really good food, to uh, 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 to to things that we needed at home, like comfort things. You know what I mean? We had a U.S. date that was close, so we could get things, and we had people who knew. So I had a very overall good experience, and I won. And the situation with money was was, was decent; like it wasn't terrible. So you know, so I think I that that first year for me put me in a good position. Looking at Europe, it was like, man, Europe is can be pretty cool. Like you can have a really good time, you can have you know some success, you can make some money, and um, really good basketball. So uh, that first year for me was was a big year, was a really good year. I had a lot of really good guys on my team. Uh, Bobby Jones, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he, he went to Washington University. Uh, I think he has he, he has a bunch of books and movies, and he's, he's been directing recently, which is okay. super cool to see. But he has something like he played on the most NBA teams in one year, or I think like <laughs> seventeen, something like that. Uh, Brandon Trish, he went to uh, Syracuse University. Um, you know, another really. If you go back and look, you'll know who he is. Uh, he had, he was a part of one of their really good tournament teams. Uh, we had a guy named Cal, uh, Cal Gibson, um, a really good shooter, a good guy. I'm trying to think of the other Americans we had. We had Jordan Morgan with Michigan, Michigan University. Uh, he's now playing in Unix in Russia, my old team that mm -hmm. I was on. And um, we also had, I forget someone. Ebby um, Indigy. He played for, he played, uh, I can't remember, I think he's from Houston. Uh, he played in the league, he played in Minnesota. And he was a, he was a different guy too, very talented, talented player. Uh, I want to say I'm missing one more person, uh, but anyways, uh, I had a good group. You know, I had a good group, I had good Americans. I had all the things that kind of when you come out that you want in order to have a good situation in Europe. And so my initial outlook on Europe was, hey, this place, this can be very good. Like this can be experience. This can be uh, a very profitable experience as long as you just come and you play and you're humble 
and you take the time to kind of understand people and the situations and the countries, and you take time to learn, and, and you can, you, it could be really uh, a really beautiful experience. And, and so far for me, it has been. Um, but that first year for me really kind of set up that that situation. I'm glad you were able to have a good experience, you know, over there in your first year because not many people always can say the same thing, right? A lot of people yeah. say the li living experiences aren't good, they, their food isn't good, you know, people, their teammates weren't good. So for you to be able to say you had a good experience over there, that that's good, that's good. But I got to ask you, though, are, are you a pizza carnivore or carnivore, whatever? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> so, so was on yeah. It, it was, is it one of the best pizzas in the world? Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Diavolo pizza... It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like it's like spicy pepperoni, but they, they don't really call it pepperoni. But it's not really pepperoni, anyway. So it's like a really good pizza. <laughs> have a bunch of different places. We lived underneath the Argentinian steakhouse, which is funny, but they served obviously Italian pizza and different stuff. And they had some of the greatest foods that we had. And then just regular pizza when you go to any uh, pizza stores, it's just very different um, than we have pizza, uh, but but very good. Great. Um, after 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 that season. You know, you, you touched a bit already. You, you went to Orlando. You went to Orlando. You signed. You signed a. Uh, you signed a contract with Orlando to put, be on be part of their team. How did it feel for you to be able to sign your first NBA contract? Uh, that was dope, man. That was a good time. That was a happy time. You know, we had just came back from. I think people. I think well, not people don't know, but I mean, don't react. But, but uh, uh, that that summer, I had played like four training camps. Um, like okay. I had gone. I had. Um, we had training camp with the national team twice because I think we had two events. We had a Pan Am game, and then we also had um, the Olympic qualifiers. In Mexico. We're, 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 we're going to get up on both of them very soon. We're going to get up on both of them very soon. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> so I had, I, had literally, I had literally went from Italy. I had went from Italy to, like, uh, summer league, training camp, Training games, training camp, uh, uh, Mexico games, and then like training camp, uh, yeah. Orlando. So I had like, I had like played like mad basketball. Like I was like, bro, I'm like, I'm feeling good. Like, you know, I'm feeling good about my situation. Yeah. I feel like I'm very tired, but I'm very, I'm feeling <laughs> very good about basketball right now. Um, and it, it was a very gratifying period because it was like, you know, obviously when you feel like you didn't get drafted or you didn't get an opportunity, you feel, you can feel deterred. And, you know, everyone, um, outlook, you know, and obviously the best place. But when you don't have the opportunity, kind of sometimes, you know, some people can fold and some people can, can elevate. And for me, it kind of elevated me uh, to get some other life experiences, to experience some other different things, and to try my hand in somewhere else. But I also knew that, you know, the door wasn't shut. And for me, going there and having a real opportunity to play, and then really having some good reception, and them saying, "Hey, we like you, and we like you enough to sign you to to, to the contract." was very gratifying for me yeah. and kind of yeah. was like, man, you can be here. Uh, you feel to be here. It, it, the situation can happen for you. Um, and, and that was a, that was a cool, uh, uh, like kind of another time in my life where it was like, man, you did the right thing. You worked hard. You had the right opportunity and, and, and you got rewarded for it. For sure. For sure. And, and, uh, and as, as we always tell, tell people, you know, you work hard for something, you will get it regardless one way or another, you know, you'll get recognized for it. So uh, shout out to you for being able to sign that NBA contract. Because again, not many people can, can say they've done that. So that's big yeah. on you, man. That's big. Congratulations. Um, I want to know, that we're going, go, you know, as you already mentioned, you, you had about four training camps. But going into that training camp in specific, though, that was a that's a big opportunity for you playing for Orlando and stuff like that. 
What were some, what were some of the NBA guys? Uh, uh, sorry, who was an NBA? Oh, sorry, wow. I don't know why I'm having <laughs> a moment right now, but which one of your teammates was able to kind of you know rope you in and say, hey, you know, I got you. Like, do this, do little, do this a little bit better. Do this a little bit better. This is how we do things over here. Who was able to help you get acclimated to the NBA game? Um, there was there was a couple of guys, um, and there was a couple of guys. So first, I'll say Andrew Nicholson. Obviously, Andrew, I had known Andrew for a long time. We played against him yeah. when I was at St. Augustine and Brampton, um, and uh, we played against him and David, David Sindel, you know, those guys, they, they were those, those yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was there, and he, from the jump, was like, Mel, you're out here, okay, like, you're my guy, we're going we're gonna to figure this out, we're going to do this, this, and that, this, I'm going to tell you the representation and stuff. So he was someone who kind of and I took it upon himself to help me. But then the next one was Channing Fry, probably the best uh, wow. person uh, because he kind of just like, man, I like this guy. I'm going to take him under my wing. I'm going to try to help him and do these things. And he really took the time to kind of talk to me. You know, I'm a, you're going to be my guy. You know what I mean? So he, he was another guy that was super dope. But then we had other guys too. Aaron, you know, it was his first or second, I think it was the second year. Um, but he was just an overall nice guy. You know what I mean? And he just kind of was just uh, – uh, always trying to just help me with different situations. Um, but he was still young, too, and he was still kind of going through it, but he'd been mm -hmm. through it, right? And then we had Victor Oladipo, who was another guy I had played against him oh, since right. we were in high school. Right. Uh, when, I was in, when I was in school, uh, he was at the math, and we played against each other. And, uh, you know, I didn't even think I didn't even think he remembered me from back then, but we just kind of just still kind of like hooked, like, you know, just kind of like connected from back then. And uh, so he was another guy who kind of looked after me and kind of gave me some stuff. Tobias was there too, and he was a good guy. Me and Tobias played AAU together when we when we were uh, CIA bounce had a little joint joint uh, venture. Oh wow! From Buffalo, and so yeah, he was on our team. So I had knew him from back. So there's a bunch of people who I kind of like knew um, and had relationships with in the past or had some kind of exchange with. And then I got there, it was kind of like, oh, all these people we've met and we've done, you know we've met at some part of our lives and we're kind of like cool and kind of try to help me out. So it was a lot of, a lot of good energy, a lot of good guys, guys kind of, um, uh, who, who really try to help me out and uh, guide me a little bit through that too. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, you, uh, unfortunately, you know, obviously after, after, but right before the season, you got way by them. You, you go down to the Airy Bayhawks. Uh, why, why did you go to the G league and why didn't you go uh, overseas? Uh, so basically, the contract that I signed, um, I think now that it's called an Exhibit 10. So basically, it was like, so uh, we're signing you to training camp. You have an opportunity to make the team. But if you don't make the team, you have to play with our team. And so that was that was kind of the deal of the contract, right? So it was like, okay, you have a good chance to make it. But if you don't, you're going to play for our team. Um, so that, that's technically what happened. I mean, I, I didn't make it. Um, I got waived right uh, right before the, the season started, and so I had to go down and play with the DC League team. But I didn't mind because you still had an opportunity, possibly, to get called up, to get signed, to get a ten day or two, do whatever. And I was still, you know, committed to the organization because I felt like they took a chance on me and wanted me to be there and wanted you know, the people uh, in the front office that thought that I had an opportunity to play to be on the team. So you know, why not? So I went on to the D League, played there. I've had a pretty successful season, um, but our, our team was not very good at all. And um, and it just kind of was one of those situations where we had a lot of guys who kind of uh, wanted their opportunities to go back to the NBA, so they were going to do whatever they could in the games to do that. Um, but I don't know if that's always necessarily the best route to go in the G League, but that's what a lot of people – and uh, some people have success and a lot of people don't. Um, 
but so our, our team wasn't very good. But I had, I had, a, I think individually, I had a pretty solid season. Um, but then there, there, there was a trade, and I think they got like four or five guys. Uh, they had no more roster spots. They got like three wings. So it was like, it don't it doesn't really make sense for me to be here anymore. Um, and when the opportunity for me to go back to Italy because another team needed some players, and my obligation to stay in the D League was over, I felt like it was in my best interest to go back and to try to, uh, you know, at least start to reestablish myself in the European market. Market. Um, and, and that's what I decided to do. And honestly, that probably that probably might have been one of the best decisions for you because you know yeah. that fo- that following year after you win a championship and on top of that you win Finals MVP. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so, so I went there for to Venice, another amazing city. Like I, I, I think I was talking to someone else, but I got spoiled. I mean, I've been in some really awesome cities, and not a lot of people can say that they've been in um, multiple cities while they're playing overseas that are kind of like vacation destinations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I went to Venice um, for the first two months. I played okay. We made it to the semifinals of the playoffs. Uh, we lost to a good uh, Milan team. I think that ended up winning the championship, possibly. Um, Might have been Stafford. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. I've had a few of those moments today as well. It's okay, man. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, so so we lost we lost to them, and and I, I luckily I, I did I had a good enough impression on them, and they see that my work ethic and how I say that I, I could be a potential, uh, you know, especially someone I could you know they they like to keep. So the next year I signed back with them, um, have a really good season, another really good team. Team my boy Tyrus McGee, that I told you that uh, you know one of the best shooters on my list and one of my good friends. They signed him, so now. I team and now we have a, you know we just had a group of guys that really got after it um and we ended up you know having a really good season um and going into the finals and and winning and uh we just it was crazy because that year me and my wife had decided to get well we had we had already been married but we, we wanted to have ceremony uh, because no one else you know we, we had a small wedding a courthouse where we just went and, and got married uh, we wanted to do a situation for the family and earlier that summer, we're like, man, like, okay, let's get married. Let's pick a date uh, uh, some, sometime in the summer, right? Because, you know, we can't do it in season. Why everyone's family there? Like, let's go, like, I don't know, June 24th. June, not nah, June 22nd, because there's no way we're going to make it that far. Like, it's just literally, like, yeah, our team is good. But, I mean, I've never really been to the finals in Europe. I don't know how long it is. The finals is, you know, it's not going to go that long. Literally... The last game of our season was the day before my wedding. If if we would have played, if we would have played game seven, I would have been, I would have gone to Toronto on the day, or like eight hours before my wedding, right? Damn. So game, yeah, so game six, I'm like, listen, guys, we we are already up in the series. Uh, we were playing really well against a good Toronto team. Another one of my teammates, good competitor, Dustin Hogue, was on that from Iowa State. Uh, another guy I didn't really mention, but was a, a dog, a beast. Uh, anyway, he was on the opposite team, and they had a really good team. A lot of a lot of guys um, that you probably know. Um, and I said, "Yo, game six, bro. Like, yo, <laughs> like we gotta go. Like, there's no game seven. Like, I got a wedding to go to. I'm not about to miss. I'm not about to miss my own wedding. Yeah. And like, I, I need some time. So game six, we got we gotta wrap this up. And okay, I think I, it was funny. Uh, but I think I was dead serious. Like, I was like, bro, I'm not playing game seven. Uh, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, we, we got to win in six. And so 
I think we all came out ready. I, I came out pumped. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was uh, of the mind like, listen, I'm ending this game today. Like, you know, I'm gonna do whatever we can to uh, kind of win this game. And it was a very tough physical game, scoring game, and we were able to win and we were able to, to win the championship. And that was one of the best feelings, obviously, if not the best feeling in my pro career. You know, putting a, a quality season together, winning a, a, a trophy uh, uh, for the team that never they've never won in that league before. Uh, the championship, so the first time ever, and then being able to be recognized again for doing the right things and uh, continuing to act the right, uh, playing well uh, to get the MVP was was a was amazing feeling, and and to do with my boy who, who you know I went to college with and, and who, who's my guy, right? We tied it, went it together, so it, it was a it was a really cool experience. It was a really, uh, dope dope period in my life, um, and and then to get literally to go the next day and to get married to you know. Uh, you know, have a ceremony uh, and celebrate our wedding and our love, you know, in front of my whole family was a very beautiful, uh, like, you know, you know, my son winning the championship, you know, yeah. getting married or having the ceremony for our wedding it was like a really beautiful part of our lives um, that I'll never obviously forget. So. Yeah, I, I got a few more over here for you before we get to our quick hitters. Uh, but obviously, right. after after Italy, you know, you went to Russia, you went to Spain, and now you're in Montenegro. Um, I got to ask you though, what between all three, all three of those teams and all three of those uh, countries, what are some things you've learned from there? What are some things that you know that you kind of were appreciated while you were there? Um, man, each like I said, each place has been like an important part of of my life, my family life. I feel like each city that I've gone to, or each destination, like I've needed. So. When I got to it, when I got to Russia, it was like an opportunity to kind of like, to kind of like be on a bigger, a bigger team. You know, the Venice team at the time was kind of like it was. We were a good team, but we weren't a team that people knew. Like historically, we're we're in like a big team. Unis was a historical big team. They used to be Euroleague. They they were always on the top. They're kind of one of the better financial teams. It was like a bigger team, but now Venice has become such a great team. So. I'm glad that I was a part of that success to help them get there. I'm on a bigger stage. I'm going against bigger teams. A team in our league is Cheska, which is the number one team in Europe. And we're in kind of like the top two, three best leagues in Europe, right? So it was an opportunity for me to kind of have a bigger stage. But I'm in Russia, right? And I've never, you know, I never thought that I would play in Russia. I never thought, like, I'd be in Russia because, you know, I know what they say about Russia. But then I get there and, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, they're a little bit cold, they're a little bit, uh, you know, they'll stay offish, but that's part of about their culture and kind of getting to know them and how that you know they don't really do small talk there. You know, it's not like it's not a small talk country. If they ain't got nothing to say to me, I got nothing to say to me. Like, let's keep it moving, right? Sure. But uh, you kind of get you kind of get an appreciation and a respect for that, and kind of the way that they deal with things. Um, but Russia was really cool. Um, I was in a kind of uh, it's called the Russian part. It was just the the Muslim uh, kind of part of Russia. So they had some Muslim people, some, some other people. But it was a different culture and a different vibe of people. And that was a really cool experience. And then for my family, it was my first time that my son had, had seen snow. So it was like a beautiful time. The snow there was crazy. Like, it's not dirty. You know, it's not even like when I lived in, yeah. in, in Canada, like, the snow that I would think about, I was like, man, the snow you got to shovel. The snow you got to get, you know, slip through when you go home. Yeah. And, you know, when you're going on, on your way to school. Yeah. All salty and muddy and stuff like that. Like you know, you don't want to deal with that snow, but it's like kind of like perfect snow, like blanket snow, like yeah. build a like you know, like so it was really nice. 
And it was like a kind of cool period for my son. And then after that, yeah. um, I had two years there, had a really a lot of good success, but we kind of just couldn't get over that hurdle to get to EuroLeague or to win the championship because, like I said, I mentioned, we had these two really good teams. One is technically, you know, everyone is one of probably the biggest, uh, if not the top three biggest, you know, and another team that was really good and had a really good player on it. And so I go to Malaga, and we were done with the cold. The weather was tough. Russia, you know, so it's very gray. Um, yeah. it, it can be, it could be like physically, like it could be draining on you because, like, you literally don't see the sun for yeah. time, month, you know, months at a time because yeah. of how gray it is. Yeah. Um, so it was like, man, we need some sun, and we get to go to Malaga, which is literally the sunniest place in Ireland. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, say Europe, but we're in southern Spain, beautiful, and I'm on another really good, historically good team, and I have an opportunity to play. But then, you know, I went through some 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 tough injuries. Really, really like the. Uh, well, my first injury ever that kind of stopped me, uh, besides being my first one in college, my second injury uh, was in UNIS, and then I had another injury. And this one really highlighted me. I think the most I ever missed was uh, during this injury, and I got hurt twice. So I really felt like I got robbed of the people to play. But I had to experience some really good players. I had to get, I got to experience Spain, which is kind of like the pinnacle of basketball in Europe because of how good their league is and how good their, their, their domestic players are. So I got to experience that. I got to kind of be like, okay, this is something new. Um, I could kind of figure out this and see how I fit in with this type of basketball because a lot of people said that Spanish basketball was more of my my style because it's uh, a lot of versatility, a lot of passing, a lot of different freedoms and different stuff. And now I'm in uh, Montenegro um, where I'm in. I feel like I'm playing the best basketball that I've had in a long time, if not ever, because I have an opportunity with a coach that really – sees my value uh, and my versatility and has given me the opportunity to kind of develop it, to use it, and to um, maximize it within our team. And I have the opportunity to uh, do as well. So each place has been instrumental, I feel like, whether in my life or in my basketball career and different things. And, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have really good uh, situations, uh, you know, throughout my whole career. Um, but... Um, I kind of forgot the question because I kind of went on a tangent. But uh, each place has been awesome. Each place has had its own unique um, growth experiences for me and my family. So I've really been opportunity while going through all of this to have those those places as uh, destinations that I've been been to. You say you forgot the question, but you answered that question perfectly. That was the perfect <laughs> answer. So you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, I want. I want to I backtrack a little bit, though. You know, uh, in 2012, you played for the Nigerian national team. What did that mean to you to be able to play for your home country? Yeah, I mean, okay. So, so, so disclaimer: I, I played with the Nigerian national team, but I didn't actually play. So basically, that's that's the only reason why. That's technically not the only reason because people can changed national teams, but I was able to play for Canada too. But playing for them was really dope because my, my whole family's from Nigeria. Uh, I'm first generation Canadian. Well, kind of ish. I have one uncle or two uncles that were born in Canada, but then they got they raised there, grew up in Nigeria. But most of my family's still there. All my family on my dad's side is there. Most of my, my, uh, my you know, family and my, my grandparents and, and stuff are, are still there. So I have very deep-rooted ties to Nigeria. Our whole, you know, our whole family is, is you know, entrenched in Nigerian culture, right? So so to have the opportunity to go and represent them and to play on a couple of tournaments with them, it was really it was really amazing. And and it really opened my eyes to the the first situation of FIBA or international basketball. But uh, African basketball is very different than 
European basketball is different from, you know, Latin America or not Latin America, but South America uh, basketball. Um, so it was my first experience with with the international game, and I was able to play with Alfaruk Aminu, who's you know in Orlando now, who was a, who was a big time player. Ike Diago, who was a fourth uh, NBA draft pick out of San Diego, had a crazy uh, yeah. you know a, a college career, and now playing in China and then making you know great money. And I had a lot of other good players. Uh, who were on that team as well, guys playing in Europe, guys playing in Africa. And it just exposed me to the international scene. It's the, yeah. the scene of guys uh, coming from different places and playing on, on different teams. But I was, you know, I was still young and I was still in school. And, um, and yeah, so it was, it was a great experience, but they cut me, you know, and I, and that was, yeah. a, it was a part of a, a, the situation where um, it's like, okay, you know, I, it was the first time I kind of got to that situation where I was like, oh, like, I questioned, like, am I good enough? It was it a situation? What, what were the answers? You know what I mean? And I yeah. kind of used that as more fuel to, to like, develop and to grow. And that next season, my junior season, I went in with, like, yo, I, like, I'm trying to prove something. And it's yeah. funny because the next year when uh, – it was funny because like, I talked to Jay Strano and he was like, man, I didn't even know you were Canadian. You know, it's funny because a lot of <laughs> people knew that they were, you know, Canadian. They're like, like, why don't you come and, like, like let's play. And that summer, the Nigerian national team, I think, after I had a really good year, were like, Hey, can you come play with us again? And um, I was like, you know, I, I felt kind of slighted, but I also felt a very deep rooted, you know, as much as I'm Nigerian, I'm also Canadian. You know, my yeah. family, my culture is Nigerian, but I grew up in Canada. And uh, after seeing the way that they ran their organization and the things that they did with some of the players, kind of like the way they hold, they even dealt with the whole situation. Even them cutting me was not really necessarily the cutting me was more like, uh, they just, they just had, some, it was a whole situation. It was, it was very different. Fair enough, fair enough, um, fair enough. Fair enough. But, but I also had this deep, as much as I had this deep-rooted tie to Nigeria, I, had, I felt the same deep-rootedness in Canada. And I felt I had an opportunity to play for a coach who really valued me, who understood me, who thought that I could be very good. And then I also had a country and an organization that knew how to take care of, how to, um, you know, to put people in the best situations to succeed. And, and then it became a no-brainer. And, and I was like, you know, I felt like I did my due diligence to my parents, to my family, to my culture, to like have an opportunity to at least even represent them at some level, which yeah. was super cool because they got the, the, the feeling of them getting calls from their family and relatives in Nigeria who like yeah. heard an article or who read something or heard something on the, on the interview was gratifying enough, uh, you know, for and when I had this seen this opportunity, I was like, man, I can't miss this opportunity because we really have an opportunity to develop my, the country we're in right now and to put them on a situation or, or to help develop, you know, a situation where they can continue to grow and succeed. So that kind of was like, that was kind of a crazy period too. But I'm like so happy that I had the opportunity to play for Canada. But I've been, you know, been someone that they see uh, has value and who helps the team and can, and can help help us win. Been the, uh, every time I feel like, the Canadian national team has, has done more for me than I've done for them. Like, I feel like when I got to deal with Orlando, it was because of kind of how I played in summer league, yes, but also because of how I played in, in the international window. Yeah. And then some of the deals that I've gotten um, with my, my professional career is because, oh, they see that he's played for the national team and he's played against these top quality guys that we have over here who are playing on these different teams and he's performed well and he's done yeah. well. So, so, so the Canadian national team for always is going to be a, a very important, pivotal part of my life. Um, and I'm glad that I've been able to give back to the organization and to the country 
And it's a sense of gratification when, you know, you come back home and people recognize you for what you do and how you play and, and, and appreciate you that. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so. It's always great to be able to feel appreciated at any level, whether it's basketball, yeah. whether it's life, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. And, and in 20, in, in 2015, you know, you were, you were able to uh, win a bronze and a silver medal uh, with Team Canada. Yeah. You won the Pan Am and you won Mexico City. What did that mean? Obviously, you know, you already, you already touched up on uh, the playing for Canada and itself and you, how, how happy and excited you were to be able to be, be, be for them. And it was an honor for you to play for them. But what did that mean for you to be able to bring home some medals to, to, to the country? That was dope, man. That was dope. Uh, like, it was just a different experience because on those on those Canadian national teams, you had such a great chemistry and environment there that all we wanted to do was win. And nobody really cared about, you know, everyone had their own individual successes or guys had come from different places, but everyone just wanted to win. And everyone just wanted to represent Canada. And so when we went to the Pan Am game, and and Jamal had that crazy, you know, his kind of like I feel like his coming out party because he was already good. People <laughs> kind of knew who he was. Like maybe he was going to Kentucky, but then he came on the team and was like, I'm nice. And ever we were like, and you know, they were like, "Yo, he's nice." And so we had a great, great experience. And then his Jamal coming out party, and then you know, to medal there, and then to come back, and you know, in the next few months and medal again. Um, you know, even though it wasn't gold, and I felt like we had the opportunity to, to be gold, and we had some love, love tough break that game against Venezuela I will never ever forget and, 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 and but it, it was it was a really great opportunity and a great time because we were able to bring some medals back and it was it was validation for the national team that we put this group together we have these yeah. guys that we've been nurturing and we've been you know guiding along and now there's some fruits coming from it and, and this is only the beginning and now we're going to start to show that the work that we're putting behind the scenes to make this country great uh, and to represent our country on the basketball stage, we're going to start seeing some some fruits there from it. And uh, I think those 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 are some really dope experiences. And, and just the celebrations uh, of bringing them in, it, it, was, it, was, it was really a really good time. And hey man, honestly, anytime I get to talk Canadian basketball, it's it's important for me because I feel like we don't get we don't get enough love, enough recognition. You know, yeah, I really yeah. don't feel like that. So to be able to you know to to uh, medal while you were here in Toronto as well and playing for Team Canada and all that stuff, man, it, it, it's good to be able to hear that stuff because I I personally think that you know eventually we will beat the U.S. I do think that I do think that. I don't know when, but eventually we will. Eventually, we're developing really great players. These generations are, are, are clearly starting to make their, their stages against the best players in the world and in the best league in the world. Um, why, why is it foolish for us to feel that you know, as we continue to develop these players and continue to get these experiences and to learn from these different places that we can't just be, you know, we can't be another top team in, in the world. So uh, I don't think that there's nothing wrong with the idea of that notion. Agreed, agreed. And even just, you know, my last question before we get to our quick hitters, um, I want to ask you, though, what when did you finally realize or what, what moment was there for you to, to, you know, that you had when you really, really realized that you put on a, a, the red and white jersey, that you were playing for Team Canada? Uh, man, the first time we did it, when we went to the World University Games, man, we had an amazing team. Um, we had, who we have on this? We, we, had, we, had, we had a really... When we put those jerseys on and we flying in and we were we went to like, the, the craziest trips. We were going through China, Coach China will tell you about it. Get to talk to we were going through China, you know, hours on the buses, crazy situation. But and we're fighting, man. We have a group that's just getting together and just really 
just fighting. But when we put that first jersey on after that tournament in the World University game, and we were so proud of our, our accomplishments, you know, the situations we've been at, and then finally get into the tournament in front of all these, these countries and this competition. For me, that was a time that I was like, man, wow, like, I'm really doing something that that is that is amazing. You know, not a lot of people get to do, not a lot of guys, people get to really put on the Canadian jersey and say, I'm representing my country here and go out and, and, and perform and, and get to do that on, on a, on a you know, a yearly basis or whenever. And, you know, anytime you get to do that, I think, um, so when I think when I think back to the, the first time that I felt that real pride of putting on that jersey, and I, I felt really proud of myself and really happy for my family and for Canada and, and for the opportunity to do it, it, it starts from that first uh, uh, in, uh, international game we had in the World University game, which is actually in Russia in Kazan, uh, which was the city that I actually was in in Russia. Uh, yeah, so it's so great. I drove, I drove past that arena um, <laughs> um, uh, multiple times, and another really thing that just was able to get over that hump. But um, really, a lot of great players, and a lot of success on that team. And man, honestly, that's that's dope to hear, and we hope to be able to see you with uh, representing Team Canada more often, more often. But down to our quick yeah. hitters right now. I feel like I feel like I already know the answer to this because I know that you are a a Peel guy, you're a Brampton guy. But in a game, you know, we ask a lot of our, our guys this because we just want to know if there is a, a a region and there's a region game, a region tournament. If they have York Region versus Peel or Brampton or whatever it is, who are you picking? Who am I picking on my um, on which team? Uh, so, so, Peel? so so you have you have York Region versus Peel. Who 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 uh, are you who are, who are you picking in, in that listen, game? Listen, it doesn't matter. Whatever whatever team whatever team I'm on is the team that I'm picking to win. So it, so whatever 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 it is, I think that my team is winning. So I don't well, care whatever so, team. So what? So what? Yeah. What? What team would you want to play for? Dude, <laughs> it don't matter. But because you know, honestly, I've literally, like, bro. It's, it's always funny for me. It's always funny to me that I'm talking to you because I, I talk. We we have this conversation all the time, bro. When I when I grew up, uh, first they were like, "Yo, you're from Malton." Like, you know, you play you played the you know, Malton Mavericks. Da, 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 da. But at the time, I lived in Rexdale, right? So everyone was like, "Hey, you're from Malton." Then we moved to Brent, my family moved to Brent, like, "Yo, you're from Peel. You're from Brampton. That's fine." Like. I don't care, but I literally have lived everywhere in Toronto. I lived in Seventh sure. Park, I lived downtown Toronto. So many different parts that, you know, for a lot of part of my life, we, we, we moved a lot and we were in so many different places. So, bro, put me on any team. I don't care. That's the team that I'm choosing to win. <laughs> but it, it, it is, it is, uh, it is hard to deny that the Peel region has developed a large amount of really good, um, basketball players. Nice. Um, but there, you know, Toronto, York, all of these places have, have a lot of good players, but, I mean, right now, right? So if you put me on that team, we're definitely I mean, so, but, uh, so. <laughs> energy, energy, energy. I love to hear it. I love to hear Um, Next question I want to ask you is, if you had a dinner party and you you had five empty seats and you had to fill those empty seats with five people, who would you, who, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, dead or alive. Man, I hate these things. I'm never good at these questions because <laughs> I, I take too long to think about them. Um, but, um, uh, Better alive, man. I don't want to throw some crazy people at you, but uh, uh, hey, remember, remember, this is your dinner party, man. You could have anybody you want. This, yeah, my dinner party. Well, shoot, my right hand is gonna be my wife because she's gonna have to. She's gonna. She's gonna be there with me. She's gonna be going. Uh, you know, talk to everyone. But like, there's a couple of people I love to like, kind of pick their brains. All right, like you know, uh, Alexander Great. I mean, the guy, man. You know. His, 
his tenure and controlling a large amount of the world is amazing. Napoleon, he, he was a kind of like, you know, just a, a brilliant general, kind of the things that he thought. And then actually just see if he was as short as people thought he was. And then, uh, so that gives me what I have, what, one more seat? No, two, 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 more two, seats? two more seats. Oh, man. Um, Malcolm X. Okay. Um, because such a person who I felt uh, challenged norms and different people's understanding, but was still an educated and enlightened and uh, person, and I, I like kind of just like to see where his mental, you know, what he thought about the world. Um, and ooh, who's my last day going to? Um, I told you I'm not good at this because I just be I just be just be, be thinking crazy stuff. Uh, Barack Obama, uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, any basketball player, Michelle Obama. Yeah, I'll put Kobe in there. I'll put Kobe in there because he had another person who had a different mental outlook on the life and on the world and. Uh, and and I'd love to pick his brain about the, about basketball, about the play and stuff like that. I mean, obviously you can read his book and have a, an insight in that, but I think yeah. I'm some person to himself. So um, yeah, yeah, I'd say that's my five. But that that live will change. Fair enough. Fair don't, enough. Don't <laughs> I got two more for you. Two more quicker for you. Uh, first, yeah. one I want to ask you is if you if you had your own movie and you you had to get a a, a, a movie actor to, to play you, who would it be and why? Who would it be and why? What? Um, I, I have to give, I have to bring some tough ones for you, man. I can't, I can't let you just answer yeah, that yeah, right like, away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I mean, I don't know. Um, who would it be and why? The last Jim featuring. I, would, I mean, the only, the only person that I, I would give it to someone like I would give it to my uncle. I, I have an uncle, Lucky Edge, who's an actor and director. Um, and he's literally personally that that uh, uh, I feel like to play the role and give it justice and kind of understand okay. the okay. culture and the life and the situation, um, but also bring the dramatic and artistic art to it, right? Because he understands that he, he captures that on film. Uh, so I mean, why not? You know, why not keep it in the family? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I probably get my uncle, um, but I'm not very good with uh, actors' names and all that stuff. So. Fair enough. Hey, fair enough. Like I said, it's it's your movie. It's your movie. So you know, you go pick whoever you want to pick. If if who you like to see on Talk Your Exposure, but here's the kicker though: you have to help us get them on the show. Oh dang! All right. Um. All right. I mean, I mean, man, Corey, man, Corey, Corey got. I think Corey would be good, man. He's got an interesting story. His family, his family legacy in basketball, especially basketball in Canada, man. Bro, I was talking to some other guys about DeVoe and Corey and that Pickering team, right? and then I was talking about talking to Mo too. Those guys, like, yeah, I think I think his story, kind of how he he developed, how he grew, his expectations and stuff like that. I think that would be dope to hear. I think that's definitely someone that uh, uh, would be willing and, and would want to want to talk and share his story. So. For sure, we appreciate that, and we, we we appreciate the the introduction if need be. Um, I one thing one thing I want to ask you is where can we find you on social media? Where you can find me, uh, at Melvin Edgem3, I think on Instagram, same thing for Twitter, or you could just, uh, you could just Google me. <laughs> 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 I'm, 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 I'm
Uh, uh, no, that was pretty funny though. Okay, okay. Um, no, I, 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 I'll, 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 I'll roll with that one. I'm, I'm keeping this one. I'm keeping this part. I'm keeping this part. I like that one. I like that. Just Google him. Google him. <laughs> but, but, any, but anyways, Melvin, you know, it's definitely appreciate, appreciate it. Wow. It's definitely an honor. And we appreciate having you on the show. You know, we had, we had a lot to talk about today. Your story is very decorated and, and a lot of good things to talk about. A lot of good information. Um, even for kids that are watching at home and people that want to watch our show, we really feel like this is one of the best episodes that we've had. So we appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and talking to us today. No problem, man. No problem. I, I appreciate it. And I hope uh, sometime in the next future, when I start doing some other stuff that I want to reach out to a lot of people, I can count on you to kind of get some opinions out there or talk about some stuff. And we can kind of make this uh, not just a one, one night stand. You know what I mean? And uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time, working with the bad Wi-Fi. Um, and it's, it's been fun. Hey, most definitely, man. We appreciate it. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully everybody in your family is healthy as well. Yeah, you too, man. You too.